do I want to take on the property, hold it, fix and flip it, and then see what happens on the back end? Um, so I take into account quite a bit of things. I almost always, before I fix and flip, will see if I can wholesale it first. Mike check. I'm good. Mike check. Mike check. You can read about success all day long, but if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. The world becomes your library to help you become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal growth is the Online Hustlers Podcast with your host, Esteban Andrade. Every day I'm hustling. Hey, what's going on, everyone that is listening to this episode of the Online Hustlers Podcast, where we're bringing in players that are going to give us actionable tips, actionable items to take home after this episode. You're going to be able to apply this. Some of these are clients of ours. Some of these are friends of ours. Some of these people I don't even know of, but I know they're doing great stuff. So we get them to this podcast. We get them to the episodes to start giving unspilling old beans. And my job is to really extract the most powerful advice for you guys, whether you're starting out or you're looking to scale and doing a few deals a month already in real estate in investing and wholesaling. This is going to cover REI marketing on conversion. And today we have an, a guest that he's been working with us for quite uh, a few, a few, a few months now. Um, I want to say, I don't, I don't, I don't really know if it's like a year already, but we've been working for some time now. He is being working on his Facebook and Google PPC advertising for some good time he's in the most like i want to say one of the most challenging markets uh where you're going to find eye buyers everywhere uh you're going to find all these gurus that are in mar the market which is the arizona market the phoenix market uh so you have to admire those people that stick to the the actual market which is the local market and don't have to go outside to kind of compete against the ones that are not really doing big deals but this guy decided to stick in this market he's a true visionary this guy was um was telling me that he came from the tile contracting world and i want to find out more because it's very interesting the guy uh scott has been working on on the game of real estate in many different levels uh he is also an agent uh licensed person uh where he was working with steve trang where we had him as a as an actual a guest um, maybe earlier on in these episodes you can listen to it and everyone if you get if you guys get any nuggets whatsoever from this episode share it away review it just share it with your circle i'm excited to have this guy here Scott, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, man? We finally got this uh, connected, right? We were going back and forth a little bit with the timing, but here we you are. are. You are one of the most busy individuals that I've seen, but obviously, hey, man, what options do we have? Like, we got we to gotta be able to make the, the money, the dough. You got to make some bread. Option right. B has been doing some good stuff in uh, Arizona, and I'm here to really get to know more about you and make others that are listening to this episode see how much value they can get from you. So, man, I, I really want everyone to get to know you. Uh, like, just tell us uh, who you are, where you're coming from, what's your background. Okay. Well, that's this is a long story because I'm an old man, Esteban, so this can take a while. So I've really been involved in the real estate industry a little bit for almost 30 years now. The, the first house I ever purchased was in 1994, I think it was. So we're getting pretty close to 28, almost 30 years. And I've done just about every kind of facet there is. Like you were saying, I'm a licensed real estate agent. I owned a real estate franchise here in Arizona for a while and had a real estate team of agents. Um, I've done wholesaling. I've done land. Um, I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching in the multifamily world. So I've kind of run the gamut in real estate. Um, 
and I've come kind of full circle to where I'm at now where I'm just, it's just me. It's just really me. I, I'm working with you guys on some things for the marketing side. And it's just me on my own. Uh, when we were talking about the tile industry, the tile stuff is what I did to get by in my twenties because I was trying to, what I was trying to do was flip houses, figure out how to get into real estate. And back then we didn't have any, you know, social media. I didn't have any data sources. I would go to a title company to have them send me a list and I'd literally have a printed out list to go out and door knock. I mean, that's how it was back then. But in order to eat, you know, and feed my kids, I had to do the tile business. Uh, and then it kind of kept me in the swing of things anyways, because I was still doing houses. And sometimes I do tile work for flippers, like guys yeah. who are flipping houses so I could see what was going on in the marketplace. And that construction background, my family comes from that. So like my father, my uncle, they're all carpet installers and tile installers. So I did all that throughout my teenage years too, you know, in summertime when I wasn't at school, which I didn't do too much school either. Just <laughs> so a, sim a simple background for me is I'm, I'm, if an old guy like me can do this business, anybody can, I have no traditional education whatsoever. I left school. I'd never finished 10th grade. I left about ninth grade is the last grade I finished. I went out and started hustling in the streets on my own. I failed all these years forward to keep trying new things. And, and here I am, an old, bald, gray-haired guy, and I'm, st <laughs> I'm still going. So well, anything's you, possible. You've been doing great things, man. I, I know that you share with me that you've made from one deal, you've even made a six-figure deals throughout your journey. And you're saying that you're not even having this traditional education. Anyone can actually... Uh, start learning about real estate and get into the game. You've made over six figures with only one deal and you continuously get deals done. You're coming from the background in construction, but that obviously it's not like it's an advantage because obviously as a tile, tile contractor, you have to hustle your way to, let's say, marketing yourself or selling yourself through door knocking and then slowly being able to sell their products uh, to the point where other contractors, other investors, or whatever it is who was your client would buy from you, right? Mm -hmm. But like, just tell me about like this whole transition of you being in the tile contracting industry where you had to market yourself and door knock and sell your product. Like, how did that transition happen where now you're making like multiple six figures on just doing real estate and a few deals from that will get you $134,000? Yeah. Well, that transition for me was this 28 years. <laughs> so again, this has been a long, long journey for me. So if you're, if you're the thing about the tile installation stuff, since I was on my own, there is still that hustle aspect of it. Like you're talking about, you got to get out there, hustle for your deals. You got to show up to someone's house. You got to sell yourself. You got to bid the job. You got to get them to trust you. Then you got to get the job and then fulfill the order. Well, since as long as I can remember, even being really young, even though I didn't know how to do it, real estate was always very interesting to me because I grew up here in Arizona in the Phoenix area, and we've always kind of been a booming market for as long as I've been alive. It's always been growing and booming. And I used to always think to myself, these guys, I'm doing this tile work, you know, I'm doing these custom showers in some of these guys' houses. I'm thinking, what are they doing different than what I'm doing? And so what I did was I always stayed curious. And so um, and just recently, I don't know if it was yesterday, maybe the day before, I was at another meetup learning from some younger people in the industry. And, you know, they kind of called me out and said, hey, Scott's been in the industry for almost 30 years and he's still here learning. And I and I and I told everybody there, just like I'm telling you right now, I was like, never. It's never going to stop. Like you have to keep always learning and growing. You can't think you know it all because you don't. And for a guy like me coming from the background when everything was printed on the paper, uh, when I when I finally decided, hey, these people are doing things, I got curious. I wanted to learn. I'm still curious to this day. I'm always wanting to learn. And so I would ask questions, learn. Then I would find a course. I'd buy a course. I would study the course, not know what the heck to do with the course, <laughs> and just keep failing forward. So what I did uh, back in those days is since I felt like I knew how to hustle, what I would do back then, it was, again, title companies would print me out a pre-foreclosure list. I was print out maps on, I think it was MapQuest back in those days. I'd print out a map mm. or I'd have an old school map in my car, the old school ones you fold out. Yeah. And I'd map out my journey and I'd go out there and start knocking on doors. And I'd have a little script and said, hello there, Mr. Seller. I heard, 
realize the bank's trying to take your house and I'm here to help. It was a, ter- you know, I was terrible. I just would fall, stumble through it. I'd have people chase me away. Uh, I w- sometimes I'd be too afraid to go to the door. I'd pull up to the house and I'd look and I'd be like, ah, maybe the next one. And I'd keep driving, right? So it was just all these things over a course of a lot of time. Uh, I meet with a lot of young people in the industry here in Phoenix. There's a lot of young faces and a lot young blood in this industry. And I love it. I think it's great. But I see them a little frustrated with not having a lot of success after six months or maybe even a year in the business. And I'm always telling them, you need to have patience and persistence. You got to be patient with it. You're not just going to be a millionaire tomorrow. You know, this all takes time. I've started things and built companies and got rid of them, started from scratch again. I've done that multiple times in my career. I, I, when I was speaking at the wholesale sharks, I told them, I'm, I'm totally comfortable just putting my underwear in a bag, putting a backpack on and just go starting new somewhere else. Yeah. I was always so good with my back against the wall of creating something new and just going. So I, I, um, it's, it's honestly, this whole journey has just been a lot of failures, never afraid to try things and risk things. Um, and a lot of crazy things in the personal life that's made me have to start over, over again. I've been married, divorced three times over all these years. I've had companies and businesses that I failed with and had to start over. And so it's just all just been a fun journey. And all of that combination of all those years of experience is what gets me the confidence that I have now uh, to be able to take these leads, convert them and do those, those six figure months that you're talking about. How, how, how many months is it that we've been working together already? When before we started this, I tried to look and I, I asked my wife because she always checks all the cards for me on all of the expenses going out. And she was saying probably like eight months. So if, I guess that would make it like January. So I, I would say January might have been a little bef- before that, like late last year, probably too, getting things up and running. But I think we've been full on running uh, probably since January. It's really been, it was probably kicked in and running at that point. Okay. I mean, you're still here. What, how has it been? It's been great. Uh, it's, it's, since I work on my own, it's the only uh, marketing source that I'm using right now besides my referral base. So I still get referral base from family, class clients, uh, other guys that are in the business here in Phoenix will send me deals and things like that. But as far as that, I cut off a lot of the other marketing I was doing. Because I was having problems with the post office delivering, all these other things that had always worked for me in the past. And the consistency of the leads that we're getting with you guys is so predictable that I decided I'm just going to work that. Uh, I'm working on getting it really systemized and perfected so that I can ho- hopefully bring some VAs on and then structure some things and then slowly grow from there. But it's been, it's been great. The, the leads are extremely consistent. And like you were saying, this is a very competitive market. And to be getting any kind of Google or Facebook ads, it's, it's pretty amazing that we're actually getting them. Yeah, how, what's your approach, Ryan? I mean, you're Right now you're working on, on your own and obviously you're going to be building out the team here here soon, which we can help you with remotelatinos.com, by the way. Um, and uh, what's, your, what's your current approach to an inbound lead uh, now you're being sent out? Yes, okay, you have all this experience in real estate. You decided to like stay on your own, kind of like having all these other marketing channels aside. But like what, what's your current approach to these inbound sellers that are coming in? We, I approach these leads the way I approach all of our leads for quite a while now. We, we created option B to help sellers, period. So we are licensed, like you said. Uh, we can offer them cash offers. We work closely with Open Door and OfferPad. It uh, wasn't that long ago. Maybe it's been a couple of weeks that we closed one with Open Door, a lead that came from the systems that we're using with you, that after speaking with her, going through her options, it made more sense for us to get her to get done through Open Door. So we did that. Um, so... What I do is I approach every one of them like a consultant and I talk to them. I see what their situation is. I always use the W's, who, what, why, when, and where. And when I figure all that out, I put them in the category that I think fits best for them. So they might become a listing with us as a real estate agent. We might offer them a cash offer and maybe wholesale it or fix and flip it because we fix and flip as well. Uh, Our bigger months were from fix and flips. So we've done some and we've done some from the leads that you guys have sent. Um, and then, uh, or maybe even working with other investors such as open door offer pad, or even some of the other hedge funds, uh, that are here locally. Cause I've worked with a lot of them as well. Um, so mm-hmm. that's our approach. Our approach is to talk to that seller, find out what they need and do our best to fulfill that. Love that. 
Open Door just joined forces with Zillow. Yeah, I saw that. It happened right when we were closing that deal with them. And, and I, they also got in trouble with the FTC for false yeah. advertising or something. So I was like, oh, no, I hope we <laughs> – I wasn't sure if the closing was going to happen, but it did. It's still closed. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? Like, do they actually do false advertising? Open Door does f false advertising? I, I don't know if I would call it false advertising. If, if you're asking me, I think um, most marketing – most advertising is a little fluffy, right? A lot of everybody wants to put their best foot forward and put the message out to draw in the attention. So I think I can go across the board with almost any company and probably say that their marketing is a little bit fluffy, right? And so I yeah. think that sometimes government agencies like the FTC just sees a big dog and decides they want to go get some money from them. I've seen them do it before. That's just my opinion. I don't have any yeah. beef with any of the iBuyers. They have their place and their spot. And I've worked with, like I said, all of them. Yeah, uh, sold house and it's fine. I mean, you think about it like you have the ability to fulfill your home sellers to a level where they're gonna be able to have different options with you or just different levels of service. So, for instance, if you're actually throwing a, an offer where it says, "I will offer full price or top dollar for your property," you can actually fulfill that. Now, it doesn't mean that every single property will qualify towards that, just like the same way that not every single property qualifies for a cash offer. You have to inspect, you have to really understand whether that makes sense for the seller at that current situation, and whether that makes sense for the property itself. So that's why you obviously, I'm, I'm sure like this is, I'm just guessing here, uh, when, when you actually get the seller in and they say, hey, this person is going to help me get a top dollar cash offer. Now, the seller might be a little bit confused on what it is or might be thinking, oh, Zillow says this. I'm going to go and see if they are going to give me a Zillow. But then you reset the frame on the conversation saying, look, this is what I can do for you. Not everyone actually qualifies for this, but we can also do this. But let's just make sure, let's, let's, let's make sure that it makes sense for both of us. And then you go in and, and off, you know, being able to understand their true challenges, uh, yes. their pain points and understand like what really what's going on. Is that, is that what you do? Is that your approach? Yeah, it's a hundred percent. I sometimes will say it's like a, being a doctor. Someone comes in and they say, Hey, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, uh, you first, uh, you got to tell me what's bothering you, right? Like where, where does it hurt? What's happening? Uh, so anytime a seller's a little anxious about telling me what's happening with them, I just mentioned the doctor thing. If, I, if, if you're, you go see a doctor and you walk in and you tell them, Hey, what can you do for me? The doctor's going to be like, uh, I don't know what's happening with you, right? What's hurting? What's bothering you? Do you have a fever? All these things. And so I act like a, a doctor, like a physician or like a consultant where I'm saying yeah. the house is important and we're going to talk about the house. But first and foremost, I told them I only make money and you are only going to be happy if I fulfill what you need. And the only way for me to do that is for you to open up to me and share it with me. If, if I can't help you, I 100% will tell you and I'll point you in the right direction. But most of the time we can figure something out. Okay. Have you seen any difference between like a Facebook lead right now versus like a PPC? Um, um, not really. I think that uh, from what I'm noticing, maybe the PPC are seem like they're probably talking with more people uh, than the Facebook. The Facebooks seem to be almost just direct and a little, maybe a little, little easier to talk to because sometimes the Google pay-per-click might have already talked to two or three other people if they're Googling stuff. But honestly, it's, it's about the same to me. Uh, if I can get you on the phone, you know, so the leads that you can get to right away and talk to, I, I don't really care where they came from, to be honest with you. Like they could have fell out of the sky. It doesn't matter because I think once I'm talking to you, then we're good to go. But yeah. you know, sometimes you know, you know how it goes with leads. Sometimes you can get a hold of them right away. Sometimes you can't and you got to try to warm it up. And I noticed some people really like to text more than talk on the phone and email more. So it's all just a gamut of things that you got to get used to and then try to draw them all back into the same spot where you're finally uh, so how are you, how are you uh, making sure that they respond to you? I mean, some people, they might be at work or doing some random stuff and then they just fill out the form, get busy. Or what's your current follow-up approach? Well, one of the things is the system that I have with you guys has a lot of automation in it, right? So 
I'm still, I'll be 100% honest with you, I'm not very great with making sure I understand the automation or if they're on the right sequences anyways. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to make sure I clean up before I even bring a VA on. I want to make sure I understand all of that. So starting out with you guys, I've just been gung-ho, me going, 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 going. And then if, if you would go through the system, you'd say, if some of these people probably haven't been moved to the next sequence correctly because I'm still uh, physically going in myself and following up with the people. And sometimes not putting the notes and trying to put them in the right spots. But the easy answer would be just set them up on the correct automation would be one of the smart things to do. And then those reminders that will tell you to contact these people as, as you're going through the process because you still haven't spoken to them yet. But other than that, it's all, I'm getting better at texting. I wasn't the greatest at that. Uh, it was hard for me to, to draw things out of people through text messages. I'm always more of an in-person guy or on the phone guy. Uh, but I feel like I'm getting a little better at it. I feel like I'm able to text to the people and get some points across and then get them a little more warmed up to talk on the phone. Matter of fact, before we did this uh, today, I went out to Tempe and almost everything was through text, text, text with this person. I finally got the appointment set, went in person today, and then we got a, a deal we're working on right now that uh, we got today well, from the leads that you have. It's going to be in foreclosure, so we're trying to postpone that. So that we can try to, we might, we might close on this one and fix and flip it. I'm not 100% sure yet, uh, but it's a pretty darn good deal uh, either way you look at it. When do you decide whether that's, it's a good deal to either wholesale or to flip or, or just to keep it? Like, how do you decide that? For me, for me and I say for us, because on the flip side, my father who's retired, my stepmom passed away. So he kind of comes and works with me on the flips a little bit and does some handyman things. Uh, kind of keeps him busy in his retirement, you know, so he's not just sitting around doing nothing. I look at how much work he could take on at any time. I look at how much money I want to put out in the market. Like right now we are in a little bit of a shift again. And here in Phoenix, it's really, it's shifted pretty good. And so I'm looking at, do I want to take on the property, hold it, fix and flip it, and then see what happens on the back end? Um, so I take into account quite a bit of things. I almost always, before I fix and flip, will see if I can wholesale it first. So I almost always will put it out the feelers and see if there's anybody out there who's interested in it because I like that velocity of capital. I like the speed. So even though I might not make as much, if it's gone and I'm off to the next thing, I like that personally. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite things to do is move it quickly. But if it doesn't, I don't want that deal to cancel. I don't want that to fall through. When I know there's a good deal, there's a good deal, we're going to figure out something. Even if we have to partner with somebody to take down the flip or partner with contractors and make sure the work gets done correctly or whatever that might be. So, Yeah, I mean, also right now we're in a different type of economy and a lot of markets, people had to do different pivots or starting to qualify newer buyers to their buyer list in order to kind of start selling the deals that they could not sell or that they, you know, some buyers just are changing their criteria or pulling out uh, as the, uh, you know, economy is kind of correcting or real estate is kind of correcting or what's happening right now. So uh, have you considered like right now in Phoenix, Arizona, um, doing any other type of creative type of, acquisition or like how how is that playing out right now i'm 100 percent open to doing any kind of uh, creative stuff to sub to stuff anything like that as well whatever makes sense uh the class i just went and took was about novations i'm sure you're probably familiar with what novations are yeah it's actually something i probably wanted to talk with your company a little more when i'm ready i'm trying to get everything set up but i might go a little more nationwide again open up a bit and because i think novations would make sense for me in other markets besides Phoenix. Yeah. Innovation in Phoenix might not make as much because I'm licensed here. And it just kind of makes more sense for me just to list it for them than to do innovation. It makes more sense for them, not for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but to me, what I'm seeing the difference is it, the biggest difference for me in this market, I've, I've been part of the crash back in 2008. I'm just, you know, so I've been part of lots of different recessions and crashes because I'm an old guy. So <laughs> we had the dot-com, we had 9-11, we had you know, the, the mortgage crisis in 2008. We had COVID, and now we got this one. So to me, I'm not worried about it. I just always know that when these things happen, there's always this little bit of this lull period, kind of a small period where sellers are a little bit unrealistic. They're, they're thinking their house – they're looking at comps right now. So what they're doing right now is sellers saying, hey, last month my, my neighbor's house sold for 600 
and the conversation I have to have with sellers now is that comps don't mean anything. Comps don't mean anything anymore. So right now, what we comp towards is what the competition is currently doing. So we're looking more at actives, how, how, many, how long they've been on the market, and they're active right now because that's who we're going to be competing with when we hit the market because now they were selling for 600 a month ago. These guys are listed at 500 and still haven't sold, and it's a model match. And so now you're chasing the market down just a little bit. Um, I don't know if it'll go forever. And honestly, it doesn't matter to me if it does. That's We're in the business of real estate, so we just go where the market's going. Like if, if, if you play the game of sitting around worrying and concerned all the time, you just need to adjust. You need to adjust. You got to change your conversations with the sellers. I call it come to Jesus moments it's where they have to, you have to help them realize what's happening because most of them aren't in the real estate industry. And so they're sitting there thinking they're sitting on a house that's worth 600 or I'm just using these numbers when it's actually probably more closer to 500 right now. And your job is to bridge that gap for them. So you're going to have to probably take a little extra time on the call to educate the seller on what's happening in the market. They might have seen it on TV. They might have seen it on the news. But you need to let them know what's happening in their neighborhood. Mm. It seems like you do have not only tactically have a different approach to what really is going on and also the marketing channel, but like... What is it that is kind of making it make you different? Like, for instance, a lot of wholesalers come in and you mentioned this earlier. They just want success like so fast mm -hmm. and two, three months pass. They don't see any type of like return or success and they just decide to become a shiny object syndrome type of victim and then go into this other thing or try this other thing out or or just don't have the patience, but like what, what really makes you like having this success so far and think the way that you're thinking right now for this market. The thing for me is that I'm really stubborn mm -hmm. and I've been through what they've, they're going through. So again, the experience thing comes in, but the only reason why I have experience is because I never quit. Yeah. The reason why I never quit is because I'm really stubborn. <laughs> I, I know what, when I, when I know I want something, there's very few things that are going to stop me from getting it. One way or another, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to find somebody, meet somebody. I'm, going to, I'm just going to rile up as much stuff as I possibly can until it's in my hands. And so those are the things I try to get across to the young people is that they, I know it's frustrating. I do because I've been there. I, felt, I know what it feels like to spin your wheels and be stuck in the mud. I know exactly what it's like to chase the shiny objects because I've done all of it. I've hired coaches for every level of this business. I've spent so much money on coaching over the years, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. I mean, when I got my license, I got so into having a license, I went to do a team and I started a brokerage. You know, we had a, a franchise and I had all these agents and I was learning how to train agents and I really got into that. And then I really started not liking real estate agents. <laughs> <laughs> they were really frustrating. And I'm going back to the investing side. And then I hired an apartment comp, uh, you know, syndication coach on apartment complexes. I've hired coaches on the land. We did really good wholesaling land. I like wholesaling land. It's a lot of fun. But so my point is I, all these shiny objects for me, but now at my age and now that I've been through all those different things, I'm really happy I did all of them because all that knowledge now, like I said, comes full circle for me. And I have a lot of confidence that if I'm talking with almost any seller anywhere that I've probably seen the situation, heard about that kind of situation or have dealt with that situation before. And so the young guys don't have that confidence yet. They have to have, uh, you know, that stubbornness that I had uh, and still do. You're going to have to be a little stubborn in it and stick your nose down there and be 100% okay with messing up and failing and dropping the ball. And maybe you need a partner. Maybe you need to join a team. I tell a lot of guys, go join a team for a little while. Yeah. Go learn the, go learn the business and, cut your teeth you joined the steve trang team huh? i joined steve trang's brokerage as an agent uh, and i don't remember how long ago that was and i learned a lot from steve steve's awesome and uh, then he decided to go to a different route with the brokerage and I, I went to a different brokerage after that but i still know steve steve's awesome i've been part of uh, several different brokerages and different teams as an agent over the years um, and i wouldn't change that for the world either because i've learned so much I mean, I, I've, I've been part of thousands of transactions. It's not even funny. A, a lot. So mm. I, I, I got all that under my belt. So it's, it's sometimes hard for me to, to relate that to a person just starting. 
because yeah. it's been uh, many decades. I've been doing this a very long time. I've done well. I failed. You're I like Captain well. America, man. <laughs> Have you been frozen before? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh, man. So were you an agent before or uh, were you an agent first and then an investor or were you an investor first and then agent? Like, how did that play? I was a wannabe investor first. I was trying to flip properties. We, I used to try to do lease. I do lease options and I would sell on a lease option. And I was doing all that before I had my license. I got my real estate license because I got really frustrated trying to find a real estate agent to work with. Mm -hmm. None of them really understood what I was trying to do. Uh, it was really hard to get my point across. Most and it wasn't as talk. easy. Most of What's them that? Most they of them do. talk. <laughs> yeah, I do. And so I got frustrated. I went and got my real estate license. And then when I got my real estate license, that world kind of took me in a little bit. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. I could do this too. And so shiny object syndrome, I would jump around a little bit. Uh, so, and I still do sometimes. I have to draw myself back in. You know, There's always something else that looks really cool that I want to go do. Uh, and so like working with you guys right now, I'm trying to focus in and make sure I got the systems down tight before I start adding any more stuff to it because I do know a lot of things and I want to add them like tomorrow. I want to add everything because it's so much fun, but I know that let me first and foremost, it's time for me at the stage that I am in my business to go ahead and start a team again. Mm -hmm. So I need to slowly put the pieces together. So it stays, you know, so the foundation is strong. So the thing stays together for a long time. Yeah. Remember that we got you with remotelatinos.com. You already had a conversation with my mind. I did. I did. Yep, I did. I told him I'm almost there. I'm not quite ready because if I bring him in right now, they might be like, what's going on here? This guy's all over the place. So let, me, <laughs> let me get it a little tighter. That's good, man. When was the last time you closed a deal from either a Facebook or a PPC lead? Uh, the actual last closing. Oh, man, I would have to look at it. I don't know what I'm trying to see. I was looking over here and I saw two flips that I could see, a wholesale, six traditional deals. I mean, I think I'm looking at it like 300 and something thousand dollars in uh, gross just from the eight months so far. That's from these leads specifically. Okay, that's good. And do you remember like one, how you ended up, like one of them, how you ended up closing them? Or like the latest, the latest ones, probably the, that lady out in Buckeye that did, we ended up closing it with Open Door. It might have been the last closing. Uh, the contracts that we're doing today with the Tempe ones, a new one we just signed, that was today, uh, but that won't close probably for a couple of weeks. Um, and then again, I'm not sure which direction we're going with that one. And well, I'm trying to think of one because I got other ones that are going through. I got other deals going through that were referrals and things like that too. So sometimes I'll forget where it came from. I have to go look it up. Yeah. So if I'm looking at directly from what we're getting from you guys over uh, with the Hessel Media stuff, then the last one that probably closed was the open door deal we did. So we met with a, a lady out in Buckeye, Arizona, and her father was sick and she needed to get back east to go be with them. And she didn't have hardly any time at all. Her house was in great condition. I really thought it'd probably be better for her to list it because she'd make more money. I did the option of talk, talking to her about the other funds that might pay a little more than us. And so we ran the deal through offer pad and open door. And they typically can pay a little bit more than we can, uh, especially for a house that's kind of nice because as an investor for me to close on it that quick and do something for it, wasn't making a lot of sense. There was not really going to be a wholesale there for me. She wasn't willing to do anything kind of creative or anything like that. Cause she was just in a hurry to get out and get out quick. Um, yeah. And she needed a little extra money than we can get it. So I ran it through open door, open door made sense and open door stepped in and got the deal done for us. So it's just, you know, that was the last one we closed. Open Door still pays me. Um, I'm licensed, so Open Door will still send me a commission if uh, if they um, buy one of our deals. I've actually sold one of my flips before to Open Door. I love so, that. So Can I did you... a fix and flip, and they bought it from me at the end because they made me an offer mm -hmm. that I thought was great, and I didn't. I said, "Why take the risk of going on the market when they're giving me such a good deal?" I sold directly to Open Door one of our flips in Glendale earlier this year it was probably march or April. i'd love to learn how how'd you get to work with open door how how would the listeners that are now here listening be uh how can you even work with open door like i like to if learn. you if you're a licensed real estate agent it's really simple they have a portal you can go into uh when i i kind of had a semi-retirement spent about five or six years uh, 2000, what was it? 2013 to 2018. I kind of was semi-retired. wasn't doing a lot of work. I was kind of 
writing books and doing things like that. But in 2018, a guy here locally, his name is Dan Noma. He's, he's Venture REI, recruited me to come over and work with some hedge funds. So I went and worked with him in 2018, and we sold thousands of homes to some hedge funds here in Phoenix. So I worked seven days a week going crazy underwriting deals. So that was one way is that I kind of got in. I always say that we got a back door to open door. <laughs> so we, we got the connections with them by working with them as investors and some other giant hedge funds that were in the area. And so this one way you can do it is go find someone else who's already got the connections with some hedge funds. But Open Door and OfferPad typically don't like to do assignments or anything like that. So you, if, when you're working with a seller and it seems like one of those might work better, it might be better to partner with a real estate agent if you are not already licensed. Mm. Because you can have an agent run that through the system if Open Door buys it, Open Door, and, and they change their commission structure all the time. Sometimes they'll offer bonuses. Um, so they'll offer a commission and a bonus. And then when the market's really hot, maybe they try to drop that a little bit. Or and if you do a few deals with Open Door, I think they give you 5000 on top of each deal or so. I can't remember what it is now because they have a, a tier structure. So sometimes it makes sense. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. So again, it's just another option to have in your toolbox that uh, makes sense sometimes. How much, how much is open door buying in Phoenix? Like what's their percentage that they're buying off the, the value of the property? Oh, as far as the value goes, they typically buy just about at value, but they build in like a 5% fee and then they'll come back with some repair. They'll always say there's repairs. So they'll have a little built-in repair there too. Even if the house doesn't need me, they're going to ask for five or $6,000 repair. So they build in their 5% and the repair thing. And that's really where their money is. That's their gap. Hmm. And but they'll come really close as far as the purchase price goes. But what your seller nets will be less those fees, which they would have anyways, if they hired a real estate agent. Right. So, And the, the thing that, those guys offer is kind of like what we offer as investors is certainty, right? So here's the offer. We're going to do it. We're going to close and we can close on your time frame. And you can even stay after a little bit after closing. If you need some time to move out, they do that similar to what we do. It's, it's a little more certain. Here's your offer. Cause people ask me all the time, why don't you just list it? Or why would they not just list it? It just depends. So sometimes it's the time frame. The, the, you just don't have the time to get it done. And sometimes not all the time, but sometimes they're a better option than I am. And I would rather that seller do it through me than directly with them. Two reasons, really. One reason is, of course, hey, I get paid, right? I, I, I'm working with them. I'd like to get paid. Second reason is, is I can almost represent them and walk them through that process when those big companies like Open Door and OfferPad don't always walk you through it, right? They're a big company. They're just pushing you through the steps. And so I, the sell, I want to make sure the seller's taken care of too. So I always know that if I make sure the seller's taken care of, then we're fine. We're, we get paid later if we make sure that the seller's taken care of. So that's always our first priority. Okay, that's great. I think that you at the beginning started with Facebook only, and then you decided to add your Google Ads campaign. Like what made you do that? I think... Uh, it started to make sense to me just to, to almost like AB test it. I wanted to see how they're doing. And it's interesting how they're doing. Cause they're almost like, like identical. Like mm -hmm. I think almost whenever I check it every month, I'm like almost exact same amount of leads come from Google as from Facebook, pretty consistent every month. Um, I, I see, I've seen an uptick in it, but I figured there would be uh, the way the market's going. We're getting some people that are coming through our leads that are already listed with a real estate agent on the market, but they're like desperate to sell. And so I'm currently trying to figure out how to start maneuvering those leads, which I'm not sure what to do with yet. So I'm going to have to brainstorm it a little bit more, but we're getting some of those coming through um, because again, people are sitting on the market and they don't like it. Yeah. And so some of them have plans and they want to go do something, but if they're already with an agent, it's hard for me also as a licensed agent to, to do anything without going through their agent, right? That'd be a, there'd be a, a problem there legally. So, but there's probably something I can do with them. I'm just trying to get a little grasp on it, start talking with those agents and see if we can team up on some of those things. Because yeah, I, I think some of these agents don't know what to do. So I think some of these agents have these listings and they're not selling and they don't know what to do or even how to talk to their sellers. And so I've got a lot of ideas in my head that I want to launch. I want to do some stuff with agents across the country too. I got some ideas, but again, I, I suggest you that 
the previous episode that we just had um, right now, if you go to our private Facebook group, it's in there. But like whenever it launches on Spotify, we had a call with Ryan Zolin oh, and yeah. he he talks about AsianInvestors.com. Yeah. And he does a lot of like he makes money all around. Like there is a, like a big circle of how you can actually make money as yeah. an agent with agents as a wholesaler. Like there's so many ways to like just skin the cat in that world. There it is. But it's just beautiful, man. Maybe you can check out that episode, man. It was pretty. Yeah, good. I will. I, I know who Ryan is. He's here in the town. Yeah, I know who Ryan. He was actually with Steve Trang's company too. I knew him there. Uh, he had his license at Steve Trang's office too. So yeah, I do know Ryan. I think i just was at his meetup last week or the week before too he's awesome and that guy's a young kid who's just a stud yeah absolute stud yeah i was just also in another uh in the hustle harder event i mean, you were in the whole sh- wholesale sharks right what what you yeah. talk about in wholesale sharks actually i think in that one i spoke about the w's i call them the w's it's uh just the things that i use for everything personal life business even when I'm talking to a client and it's what I had said earlier, it's the, it's the who, what, why, the when, the where it's like those things. If I get those things answered in relationships with my family in business, and even when I'm on the phone with a client, or if I'm thinking about taking on a new thing in my business, if I could figure out those W's and have the answers to them, then usually things are good. So at that event, I think I spoke to the young people about having their own kind of system like that, maybe some kind of W's that they can go through to make sure that they're hitting all the things they should probably make sure they're checking off before they get too far ahead themselves. Can you can you expand on that? Would you be able to cover your w, the W's here? Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll go through them really quick. I mean, I guess, let me see. How do we... I'm trying to think because there's all these different ways to do it, like I said, with clients or anything. But for myself, like for goals or let's just say I'm having a, I'm having a bad week and I'm like, man, this, is, this isn't going good. Maybe I should quit all this crap. You know, I'm this, sometimes you get frustrated, right? I think we all do. And so what I would do is I start with my W's again. Okay, hold on, slow down. Number one, who? So for that instance, it would be me. I'd be talking about myself. Who are you? And so I always like to figure out who I am. If you're talking with a client, you want to know who they are. And so to me, I, I'm a big studier of disc profiles, so the personality profile. So I know who I am as a disc profile. I know who the clients are. I know who my family members are. So if I'm getting in a fight with my family, I want to know who am I talking to. If I'm with a client, I want to figure out who they are. If I'm having problems myself, I want to remind myself of who I am. Okay. The second W is what. What do I want? What do I want? Right? So if I'm getting stuck and I'm stuck in the mud, I tell myself, what do you want? Remind yourself of what you want out of this, out of life. If it's a relationship, what do you want out of the relationship? If you're talking to a client, what do they want? Right? And then why? Why is a real big one. I always tell everybody, you got to tie the why into it. Me personally, I'll remind myself, why am I doing any of this? And for me, it's a super simple equation. I have my children and my children are it for me. That's it. That is my why. They are watching and listening too closely for me not to get this stuff done, right? And they're depending on me. So to me, it's life or death. That's my why. That's why I'm stubborn and I keep going. If you're in a relationship, why are you in a relationship? What do you want that to be? If you're with a client, why do they need the thing? You got to get to their why. So if, if they tell you this, I want to sell and I want to sell quick, why? Like, where are you going? And then you want to keep digging because the why you want to get to the emotion. So you want to get to that root. So you want to get to the emotion. If you're doing this for yourself and you're wanting to figure out your goals and what you're trying to do and remind yourself what you're doing it for, the why should always be something that's tied into your emotions. So as you're going through your whys for yourself, let's forget the relationships and family and the clients for a minute and go back to ourselves. If you are doing the why for yourself, you need to start getting goosebumps. You got to start going, okay, who am I? What do I want? Why do I want it? And by the time you get to your why, you should start feeling your adrenaline pump a little bit. Okay. And then you want to do your where and your when. So your where is where are you going? So what and where are completely different. What you want out of life to me is, you know, financial freedom, these kind of things. You're thinking of those kind of things. And then the where am I going is really important. And the where has two sides to it here. Okay. So when you're talking about yourself, you want to know where you're going and then you need to know where you are at currently. You need to honestly know where you're at. I had issues with this when I was younger. I had a fake it till you make it mentality. I used to teach this 
these W's to real estate agents. And what I would tell them is, let's look at a map. Let's say, I want to get to Vegas. That's my goal. I'm getting to Las Vegas. If you're not honest with yourself about where you're at, there's no way for the GPS or the map to tell you how to freaking get there. And so if you're always saying, no, I'm in Vegas, man, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, you're going to have a conflict inside your body because your body's saying, no, you're not. You're right here right now, man. We're broke, right? Or we're struggling right now. So you want to be honest and know where you're at or you won't be able to map out to where you want to go. So there's two parts to where. There's where you're at and where you want to go. And then when you need to put a timestamp on this sucker. So in, in my mind, if you just say, I want to get there and that's it, and you don't put five years, 10 years, three years, whatever it is, and have some kind of timestamp on it, you're just not going to have much luck. The where is really important too. It's not about how you're going to get there because if you think about it, there's so many different roads to get to Vegas, man, right? So if I'm going from Phoenix to Vegas, I could walk, I could ride a bike, I could drive a car, I could fly a plane, right? I could hitchhike, I could do all kinds of things. And one of the things I always tell these young people too, if you're listening to this right now with these W's, there's always gonna be a roadblock. You're gonna have a plan to go from this place to this place. And that plan's gonna get screwed up. There's gonna be a closed road, you're gonna get a flat tire, you know, the plane flights are canceled. So many people just turn around and go back. They give up. They say, that's it. Wasn't meant to be. And that's all there is to it. This is why you need to tie your why to your what and your where. Because I say that way you can get from here to there. Because if your why to get to Vegas, to get to your goal is so strong and so powerful, I don't care if a storm comes or if you have a flat tire, or if the plane is canceled, you are going to get there because it's life or death for you to get to Vegas. Does any of this make sense? <laughs> Yeah. I, I know I'm rambling a lot, but you need no. to have a why and an emotion so strong to your end goal that it's going to pull you through all the flat tires, all the problems, because they're coming. Recession, right? We're going through another thing here. So I know for a fact that a huge percentage of the young people in this industry are going to be gone by the end of the year. I don't like it, but I know they will be because they're getting flat tires. Mm -hmm. Their flights have been canceled. And they don't have a strong enough reason why to pull through this. And so they're going to go back. Old guys like me, my why is so strong, you won't stop me. I will walk there if I have to. I will crawl through the mud to get there. So next year, you're still going to see me sitting here because I'm really stubborn on my why and where I'm going. I'm honest about where I'm at. I'm honest about where I want to go. And I've tied my emotions and my why to it so strongly that they can recession or drop the market or do whatever they want. I'm still going to figure it out. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> that was Man, a ramble. No, this great. This is like, uh, like, basically you're giving a framework on how to solve your problems and also even how to sell. Like yes. whenever you're talking to, to clients, this is like an exactly. entire framework and it just makes so much sense because as you were telling me all of this, it's like whenever you're connecting with individuals on the phone, you have different faces where, first of all, you have the connection face where you're, it's kind of like, who is this person? Like, you're just connecting, like, who are you, right? Um, and we have to understand, like, the, it's not about us, it's about the prospect, it's about the client, like, and, and, and such, like, who, who is this person that is in here? And there is a reason why this person isn't here talking with us. Mm -hmm. uh, and ultimately, this person will be looking for, some, for something. So who is it? And then the other one is like situational phase, which is the why, uh, right? Like, um, yeah. and, and, and why, why, why is this? Why is this uh, you said why was the second one or the third one? It's, it's who, what, who, what, why. Right. Yeah. Sorry. The situational right. phase, which Weird. is the what, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. situational phase which is the what like what are you currently doing about whatever's happening or yeah. what do you like, want yeah what are you trying what to do you want and things like that mm -hmm. and then the, um i want to say the why is the problem awareness phase where it's like yeah like why why is is happening what's happening why like why are you where you are right now or like are you where you are right now like why is it that you're looking for a solution or why is it that we are looking to talk with us in, in this problem or things like that, man?
I like that. You know what I mean? And then yeah. the other ones are, is like solution phase. Sure. Uh, yeah. Where, where are they going? I always ask them, where are you going after this? I want, I want them to keep talking to me about this whole situation. And then I was like, when do you want to get it done? And if at the end of the conversation, I look down and I realize I didn't cover all my W's, I make sure I do before the phone calls over. Right. So you want to yeah. make sure, oops, I didn't get to the where, or I didn't get to the when. And so those are the things that I want to make sure I try to cover as much as possible. Sometimes they give me the why right away. They might, you know, right away in the first phone call, they might be like, I'm in foreclosure. My mom passed away and I got to go. Oh, there's the why the why is already taken care of. Right. And then you get, you get to the other W's as quickly as possible, but always tie back to the why, because it's the emo every, we, everything we're making is kind of emotional decisions. And too many times we're worried about the facts, the facts, the numbers, the facts, the facts, the numbers, to me, those are last, right? So mm -hmm. to me, if you get that why and that emotion and you're tying it in and you're figuring out what they want, if you could solve that, then the numbers kind of start to make sense. Yeah. Is this why you, you were invited as a guest, as a speaker uh, in the whole show charts? <laughs> Because like, yeah. man, you're you're really good at it. You crushed this freaking episode. <laughs> you crushed this episode. I, I think I probably just I just talked over you for about an hour, right? <laughs> no, I think that everyone should come back and listen to this one once again. Um, yeah. obviously, you gave really huge tips, and not only that, like it makes sense why why you're actually is still here is so stubborn eight months into ppc facebook <laughs> yes. ads when like people That's give it. up in the first no, three months no, some no, yeah. most of the time like you are there you're making yeah. money i don't think i have met any client whatsoever that not that have not made money mm -hmm. that have stayed more than six or 12 months every yeah. single client that stayed more than six or 12 months have made money with ppc yeah. or facebook ads or combined right yeah it, but you know your why, you know you're also stubborn. You understand that it requires patience. You understand it also requires a proper follow-up. And you're, you got so good at that controlling that, uh, controlling that kind of shiny object, right? You, you, yeah. I think you said that you, you got so good at controlling that vision. Because yeah. You're such a visual and such a visionary, like we can get defocused real fast. Oh, so yeah. that's huge, man huge what are the what are the three tips like even if it is like the things that we just covered three 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 tips that you give to any person that wants to be successful in real estate investing and wholesaling the three tips i give people it almost always depends on where they're at in their journey but again you have to be patient along with your persistence so i'm stubbornly patient I don't know if that makes sense. I'm, I'm kind of like, if you ask my wife, she's going to tell you I'm super impatient. Like I want things. I want them now. I want them to get them done. But when I'm in the act of doing them, I know that it's going to take patience, that it's going to take time. So I would say, be patient. Don't, you know, don't beat yourself up. Be persistent and use the W's. That's what they're there. Just use them. They're simple to remember. And they're simple to apply and they will make a difference. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being in this episode. I think that uh, you me. will deserve a second episode and maybe, maybe <laughs> we can break down with real, with like case studies and examples. Sure. That'd uh, be awesome. The whys in the next episode. Sure. Uh, that'd be really fun. That'd be fun. Awesome, yeah, man. man. I appreciate thank you. you. And for I anyone that listened to this episode and loved it, uh, make sure to listen it once again, but to share it away with your circle, make sure that you go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube, just share it with whoever it is that needs to hear this. We, we learn about wise, we learn about PPC, Facebook ads, uh, the way, in, you know, how you can make money out of it too. But like, we learned the story about Scott and this is huge for me. So um, go ahead and give us a review if you liked it. Again, come back to another episode because we're going to get more people uh, just like him and willing to just put together real good nuggets and uh, thank you for listening to this episode and have a good one guys thank you so much man see ya